All right. Um, we've been doing a series for the last four weeks, or I have, on, on, the, on the covenants of God. So we've, we've done uh, Noah, we've done Abraham, we've done the Mosaic covenant, which we covered a, a bit of ground through that. And then we... Then what, who's the next one? Who would be next in the line of, of covenants? David. So we have David. We're not going to do David this morning. Uh, I'm going to touch on David just a little bit. But David's covenant is, is fascinating because when Moses dies uh, and, and Joshua and Aaron go into the promised land, he, God renews the covenant. And he, and he actually, it's the first time we see in, I think it's Deuteronomy 27, where the, the, the commandments are outside of the ark. They're not in the ark, they, they end up being placed outside the ark. So it, it, God actually takes the covenant from a, a kinship covenant, like a marriage, and he actually makes it, uh, it, it becomes a different covenant because he says, all right, now I'm going to be, I'm going to be God and it, it ruling in power because you haven't done what I've asked you to do. And, uh, and it becomes a, a, what's called a vassal covenant. And so the, uh, the, the commandments get put outside the ark in Deuteronomy. And, um, and it's really interesting because David's covenant that, that God makes with David is in the middle of that. And David does stuff that he shouldn't be able to do. And it's awesome because somehow David caught the heart of God in such a profound way that he says, you're going to be, my son is going to be a son after you forever. That's amazing. And so David had this profound thing. He worshipped. He ate food that he shouldn't have. He worshipped in the temple and they survived. He did the, all these things. And somehow David caught the heart of God in such a profound way. And, um, and so we're not, we're not going to go into David this morning. But, but David is, is amazing and we will do it at some point. But I really felt um, the reason I, I, I want to do, share what I'm going to share this morning is I really felt that, that dream that I had and what God wants to do here and for this house, I really believe this is a right now word for, for this house. And uh, for those that, that haven't heard the dream, I, I had a dream. I was on Victoria Road in Murrubark and uh, I was looking down over Lilydale and uh, Lilydale was flooded in, with water and it was covered in water and uh, there was a plane crash going on uh, behind, sort of out over Warby Highway in the dream, and I was on a plane with Andrew and 10 others, and we, we uh, Andrew Scarborough, by the way, he's preaching at Monbolt Christian Fellowship, and he'll be here tonight for the Jesus Night, and, and he's, Andrew's going to be preaching tonight, and this keeps cutting in and out, it's frustrating me, anyway. Anyway, so, uh, the, so the, uh, we land the plane, and the pilot rows his little dinghy boat around the, around the cove, and we say, hey, are you doing all right? And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had to drop off Christian Eriksson into Lilydale. And Christian Eriksson's a famous soccer player. And uh, Christian Eriksson actually died and came back to life in real life. And, uh, and so uh, I woke up from the dream. God said, look up Eriksson. I looked up Eriksson, and it means royal son. That's what the word means, royal son. And so, so God is taking what, what the Lord said. He says, I'm bringing Christians to Lilydale and to this region to, to not just become uh, Christians, but to become royal sons and daughters. Right? And I, I do believe it's not just for Lilydale, but that's obviously God was talking to us. And I really believe that we're, we've, we've got to move from from coming to church to becoming the church. We, we've got to move from, we just talk about the kingdom to we actually get to advance the kingdom of God everywhere that we go. And so I might preach this morning. I might get passionate because <laughs> I'm, I'm really fired up for this word. But I want to do a little bit of study first before we get into that. So if you've got your, if you've got your Bibles, um, so we, I'm going to share with you the, the prophetic decrees from Daniel that that actually talk about the coming of the kingdom, right? Yeah. Oh, my drink farted. 
All right, so we're going to start in Daniel 9. So Daniel 9, go there, Daniel 9. All right, and we're going to do a little bit of, little bit of history, a little bit of study, and then we're going to I really go into what I believe the Lord's got for us, and this ties into uh, what we've been talking about with covenants. So because Hebrews 8, we're going to read that soon, but Hebrews 8 says that, it, you know, we are in a better covenant and acted on better promises, right? And, uh, and so I, I, really, I really want to call us higher this morning. Every, every time I preach, every time I go to the Word, um, I want to draw, I, I, I very seldom preach to circumstances because uh, that's just not what Jesus did. Jesus brought people higher. He preached to, he, he taught and, and what he ministered was he taught so that people would go, oh, this is where I'm at, but I, I can go there and I can, I can be there. And so that's what I want to go for this morning. So Daniel 9 verse 24. So Daniel's, he's, he's sharing a dream that he had and um, he, he begins this with the 70 weeks. We're just not going to go into it too much, the, the prelude, just because... Um, for time's sake, but you can read it for yourself. It's an awesome word, uh, Daniel 9. So he says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity, to bring in an everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one. All right, that's super key. A prince, there shall be seven weeks. Uh, this is, I know this can be a little bit confusing, so I will unpack it. Then for 62 weeks, so we've got 62 and, and a seven week, which is 69. It shall be built again and with squares and moat, but in, troubled, but in a troubled time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Not this one. And, it, <laughs> and its end shall come with a flood. And to the end there shall be a war, desolations and decreed, are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. Right? And for half of the week. He shall put an end to sacrifices and to offering, and on the wing of, ab of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until decreed end is poured out on the desolator. All right, I have a whiteboard. This may never happen again, okay? So we've got, he says, 70 weeks, right? So you've got 70. And then he says, um, from the time of the decree goes out to the rebuilding of Jerusalem. All right, in Ezra 7, I think it's verse 23, he there's a decree that goes out to rebuild Jerusalem because Daniel's in Babylon and he, there's, the temple's been destroyed for the first time and he says there's a, there's a decree that goes out to rebuild Jerusalem. The year that that decree goes out, most people agree on this, is 450 BC, right? 457 BC. So 457 BC, if you do 7 times 7, because he says 70 weeks, 70 times 7, which is actually where Peter, you know when Jesus says, how many times shall I forgive? Yeah. 70 times 7. Yeah. Yeah. It's, actually, it's, it's actually, this is the time of, 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 of mercy until this covenant is going to end. The, the Mosaic law covenant is going to come to an end, Right? So seven times seventy is four hundred and ninety. But then he says, uh, he says, sixty-two weeks and a seven and a seventh week, right? So sixty-two plus seven is sixty-nine, which is if you do the math on that, is four hundred eighty-three. Is that? Are you with me? All right. So so four hundred eighty-three. I think if I've got this right, it brings us to the year because zero is not a year. It brings us to the year 27 AD, right? And so 27 AD, most theologians would tell you that Jesus was, was born in the year 3 BC, right? So Jesus was born in the year 3 BC. And when did he start his ministry? 
when he was 30. It, it, it's, it's, it's why the men of the East came to, to bow down and worship Jesus because they were descendants of Daniel's school of the prophets. They knew, they knew Daniel is a very accurate prophet. They, like, they knew he was sharp, right? He didn't just tell prophetic utterances. He told them the, the dream that he had. He told them the, and, the, and the interpretation. Daniel was good. And so, and we're going to have a look at Daniel 2 in, in, in a little bit as well. And so, so here Daniel prophesies to the year, right, from the decree of, in Ezra that goes out to the rebuilding of the temple. And the temple had just finished being built, being built when Jesus comes on the scene. And then he's like, hey, I'm going to tear this sucker down. <laughs> so it's like, they're just like, we just finished it, man. Like, what do you mean? Right? And so he comes on the scene. So 69 years, Jesus comes on the scene and he starts his ministry. But then it says, in one week, let's read it again so you can see it for yourself. Uh, where is it? It says... And he should make, verse 27, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. So we have 69 weeks. We've got a week missing, which, is the se- which makes it up to the 70. So in the last week, in the, that strong covenant, and for half of the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. This, uh, my, I'm not the greatest at math, but half of seven... It's three and a half. How long was Jesus' ministry? Three and a half. So in the, in, in the middle of the last seven, there'll be someone, that's what he says, there'll be someone will come and he'll make an end to sacrifices and offerings. Finally, this thing will come to an end. Right, so Jesus, we know the story. Then Jesus dies on the cross, and he, in, he inaugurates the new covenant with his blood because there had to be a death. Right, so he inaugurates the new covenant with his blood, and he dies, and then he resurrects. And so, however, there's, and I'm not going to go into this too much. I did a whole teaching on it about two years ago, but and we might do it again soon. But, but when Jesus comes out of the temple in Matthew 23. He says, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you. This, upon this generation will come all the blood from the blood of Abel to Zechariah. Remember that in, in Matthew 23? So Jesus prophesies and then that he comes out of the temple. And it's in Mark 13, I think, and Matthew as well. And they, the disciples say, when will the sign be of your coming and the end of the age? They're not, and he says, and when, when will you come and do this? He's, they're not talking about the return of Christ. Jesus hasn't died yet. So they're asking him, Jesus, these prophecies that you said when you'll destroy the temple, when will that be? And he says Jesus was looking at the temple and, he's, and he begins to prophesy in Matthew 24 of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem that happened in AD 70. And he says all the signs will happen upon this generation. So AD 70, a, gen- a biblical generation is 40 years. So AD 30 is when G- AD 30, 30 and a half is Jesus is about to die and he prophesies, he says, listen, I've inna- I'm going to inaugurate the new covenant, right, and I'm going to put an end to temple sacrifices and offerings. And then in AD 70, the temple got completely destroyed. Are you catching it? So in between AD 30 and AD 70, right, they were still operating under the Judaic law, the old covenant. That's why in Hebrews 9 it says, and these things are coming to an end. They're fading out. So in AD 70, the whole Levitical priesthood got wiped out. They'd have no, no more records of the Levitical priesthood. Because you're the priesthood of all believers. That's, that's, that's very accurate, right? And so here, if we go to Daniel 2, turn with me to Daniel 2. 
right? Matthew 24, Jesus, the, the beginning of Matthew 24, Jesus is not talking about the end of the world. He's talking about the end of the, the Mosaic law. All right, Daniel 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 31, we're going to go verse 31. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image is mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, right? Its legs of iron, so we've got um, bronze, silver, iron. Its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand. Very important. And it struck the image of its feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer and the threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Yeah. I hope you're catching this. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Verse 37. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he's given wherever they dwell, the children of the man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them. Another kingdom, we'll go down verse 39, another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. So Daniel's talking to Babylon. He's saying, listen, there's a kingdom here, it's good, but there's going to be another one, right? Most theologians will say it's, it's, it's the Persian uh, kingdom that came next. So that's the silver. And another kingdom inferior to, to you shall arise. And yet a third kingdom of bronze Right, which, uh, which is the, the Median, Median, am I saying that right? Medes, yep. Or the Medes there, and then the Persians, some disagree on some of that, but that's fine, you can flip it however you want to. Which shall rule over the whole earth, and there shall be a fourth kingdom, right, which is the Roman kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw, the feet and toes, partly potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron, partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay. So they were mixed with one another, and that's what happened in marriage. The Romans married into uh, other regions and other gods and they mixed their culture together and it started to fall and even in that in the day that Jesus came it's uh, they'll tell you that there was divided kingdoms that there were 10 kingdoms five toes five toes with soft clay so they'll mix with one another in marriage but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay and this is the key verse 44 in the days of these kingdom, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall not never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. In those days. That's what he says. He says, in those days, the days where there's a brittle clay and brittle iron, strong iron and brittle clay, in those days, God will set up a kingdom that will be a lasting kingdom, one that will never end. Right. What did he say? He said it's a rock carved out of the mountain, not made of human hands. Follow with me. A rock that's partially from earth and partially not made of human hands. Who does that sound like? That's Jesus. Yes, the answer to that one is Jesus. <laughs> right? A rock. He says, I'm the rock. I'm the rock on which I'm going to build this house. Right? And I'm made out of hu I'm human, but I'm also divine. This is Daniel Sharp. <laughs> right? In those days, I'm going to set up a kingdom. Wow. <laughs> Come on. All right, turn with me to Hebrews 8. 
Hebrews 8. Verse 13, we'll just go here. In speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. So this is talking about the Mosaic covenant. He's making the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So that's why he's saying that when the temple's gone, that's it. That's the end of that, that whole thing, right? And so go down, to, uh, go down to verse 1, Hebrews 9. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Verse 6. These preparations have thus been made. The priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic of the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshipper, but deal only with food and drinks and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. Right, keep going. I know we're reading a bit of scripture, but keep going with me. All right. And we'll jump down, we'll, we'll jump down, yeah, keep going. But when Christ appeared, verse 11, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the God of good, for good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of bloods and goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Wow. Go down to verse 28. So Christ, having been offered one to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He's not coming back a second time to deal with sin because he dealt with it correctly the first time. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, if, if I'm setting up a covenant. All of this, what we just read, there was the prophecy of Daniel. He's saying, there's going to be a time when I come and none of these kingdoms shall remain. Is the Babylonian kingdom around? No. Persian? No. Roman? No. But there is a kingdom that remains, yeah. right? Yeah. He goes, I'm going to set that one up. And the, and the people have interpreted this and they're like, awesome. Jesus is going to come and conquer Rome in a military might. And he went, listen, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to go into the most holy of holy places, the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly sanctuary. I'm going to go in there with my blood, right? And I'm going to set it up so that you from this day forth can come into the holy of holies before God himself. So you can meet face to face. And then what I'm going to do, Romans 14, he says, that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not food and things that we can tangibly see, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen. So God's like, listen, I'm not, doing a I'm not conquering, coming with an army. I want to come with sons and daughters that know who their daddy is, that know who their father is, and they will destroy the works of the devil by getting intimate with their father. Two of you are excited about that. That's good. <laughs> All right. So that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm setting this kingdom up. Right. And that's what he came. He preached on the kingdom of God 106 times. There's, there isn't another topic that Jesus talked and preached about more. 106 times he preached on the kingdom. He modelled the kingdom. It was a talent show gospel. Yeah. 
I'll say to our prayer guys on, on Thursday night, you know, people often, it, it, it actually, Francis of Assisi didn't quote this, but many people often quote him as saying it. And they say, always preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. And I get the heart behind it. Firstly, Francis of Assisi didn't say that. It's not attributed to him if you actually look into it properly. They don't actually know who said it. Um, but secondly, always preach the gospel and it is necessary. You need to use words. <laughs> That's my saying. <laughs> right? You need a, there's a declaration that needs to happen. It's not just good works. There's miraculous power that needs to be backed up with it. Because that's what Jesus came. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He cleansed lepers. He confronted hell and darkness because he said, I brought a different world with me. It's called the world of the kingdom. I want to show you what it's like. The woman with the issue of blood, king, walking on water, kingdom. Miraculous provision of food, kingdom. It's all the kingdom. And then he said in Matthew 28, all right, I'm going to leave. I want you, I'm going to commission you to go and teach them everything that I've taught you. Well, what did he teach them? He taught them how to display the kingdom. He didn't just teach them to have slick church services. He taught them how to adequately represent the Father well. Amen. Fire. <laughs> right? That's what he taught them. And he said, all right, listen, I'm not against good works, by the way. I hope you hear that. Like, you do, do, you do, that's fine. <laughs> right? But he said, it's a sad day when the high point of Christianity is, what, is only what we can achieve. It's a, it's a sad day when... Christianity is what is only humanly possible. <laughs> what did he teach his disciples to pray in Matthew 6? Did he say, Father in heaven, I pray that they would come to church every Sunday and that they would... Never know you intimately for yourself. No, he didn't, he didn't say that. He said, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is there. In Hebrews 6, I've been, I've been in Hebrews for the last few years. And um, that's where we got the name in Hebrews 8. It says that, Jesus is the mediator in the sanctuary, not made of human hands. It is a, it, that is a correlation to Daniel. It, it's, it's, he, he's talking about that. The, the stone cut out from the mountain, not made of human hands. And in Hebrews 6, Paul begins to just say, he, he begins to call the church and he's saying, listen, it's time to push on from not just drinking milk. It's time to, to press on from the elementary things. And it's time to press on to the great high call of God. And I, I'm, 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 I was praying yesterday in the car and, and you know, many people, they, they come into Christianity or maybe they've been raised in, the, in a Christian home. And I, I love, the, you know, Hebrews 10, we'll read it in a moment, but he says, do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren. I love, I love church. I love the church. I love his bride. I love the house of God. I love um, worship. I love corporate work. I love that we get to come together and just lift up the praises of God. And we need to not forsake fellowshipping together. I love all of those things. I don't apologize for it, right? But I, I'm telling you, we're not here to play a game or to tick the, the, the church box or, or to just, I've got better things to do with my life if that's what we're doing. We're here to destroy the works of the devil. We're here to see the kingdom of God advance in our region. We're here to see the kingdom of God absolutely penetrate hell and darkness to see Jesus get his full reward. That's why we're here. If you want a church service that's really well run, like I'm, not, I'm for excellence and all those things, but if you want to, like... 
We're here to worship the King of glory. We're here to go after things. We're here and we don't apologize for it. We're here to see truth prevail. There are people who need a breakthrough. They need a breakthrough and God's looking for people who say, will I find a bride who believe me? Will I find a people that are sons and daughters of God who would believe these words that the kingdom is actually in them? Come on. Right? Okay. All right. Charlie, could you let her, can you let her do some colouring? Oh, come on. <laughs> Holy fire on the kingdom of God colouring. All right. <laughs> John 17, 3. It's family, eh? That's what family is. You know, it would be weird if Isla would come to Dean to get to me. And I really feel like, and I mean this, I mean this in genuine love. I really do. I mean this in genuine love. I, I feel like there's people that you've got a preconceived idea of what church should look like, and you've, you've been listen. Just just hear my heart in this, please. I think there's people you've been going around the mountain of church, and you've been wanting the church to fix your problems that Jesus paid for on the cross. We, we are a body and we need to be united in, in, in a body, 100%. But you come into the church, you come in as a, as a son of God, you learn about the gifts of the spirit or you learn about worship or you learn all these things, then you learn about the kingdom, but the kingdom never leads you to actually knowing the king intimately. And that's the point. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that you would know the father. That you, you, we're going to read it. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and we'll, we'll land somewhere here. Hebrews 10 and uh, we'll go verse 16. Verse 15, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Oh, that's awesome. Where there is forgiveness, forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. <laughs> Georgian Banoff says, if, sins, if, if you only get free of sin when you die, then death's your saviour, not Jesus. <laughs> Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, you have confidence. You can confidently come to God. Even if you're messing up, you can confidently come to God because he's a loving father. That's it. The throne room's open. He swung the doors wide open. A good friend of ours, he said, righteousness is just the doorway. Right, if you have a wall, what righteousness did was cut a hole in that wall so that you can walk through into the bedroom and become intimate with that, the one that's in there. But if you stand at the doorway and just claim that, there's, that you're righteous or you stand at the doorway and you come into church, you say, well, I come to church and I do all these things, and I, I, but I don't know the one that... You've got to go into the bedroom. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Wow. <laughs> my, my prayer, my cry for this house is that every person that comes here would know the king intimately. That, they would, that this would be a place where we, we get into the word, we worship and we stir each other up for faith and good works. Because we've been, Colossians 1 says that we've been, transfer, for, for, uh, we've been transferred from the domain of darkness, it's a domain, into the kingdom of his beloved son. Amen. Right? Colossians 1.27, actually just go there, this will be, this will, we will finish because this ties in with the, the, the dream. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery. So he says the mystery now is being revealed. And what is it? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Habakkuk verse that Dean read out, it says that God wants to, wants to cover the earth with his glory as the waters cover the sea, right? He says, he says there'll be a time when the mountain, there'll be someone that'll cut, come from, the, he'll be cut out of the mountain, not made of human hands, and he will set up a mountain. Yeah. In the last days, they will stream to the mountain of the house of the Lord, yeah. right? And there'll be a kingdom that will never die. It'll increase from glory to glory, strength to strength. It'll keep on going. Right? The Roman kingdom's gone, but the kingdom's still here today. 2,000 years later, the kingdom is still here, and it's still advancing, and it's still destroying the works of the devil, right? And he's alive and well. So this is what he's prophesying. And then Colossians, he says, all right, the mystery's been revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's, here Paul says, right, it's the, the mystery of God has been revealed. It's the kingdom of God in you. So the kingdom of God is in you. Paul said, I knew a man talking about himself, who went to the third heaven and saw things that he couldn't describe. Ephesians 1 says, you and I are seated in where? Heavenly places, right? Track with me for a second. So then he says, Ephesians, he says, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly places. Talking about the second heaven. And then the Bible says that the, the heavens and the earth were created. So what we can see, what we can touch, what we can feel, right? Matthew 6 says, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in third heaven. So where are you seated? Third heaven. That's not figurative, that's reality. You're a dual citizen. You're a citizen of heaven and a citizen of earth. And your commission, your commission is to become so intimate. Not so you can get a notch on your belt, but so you know the Father. You get before his face and you say, show me who I am. Show me who I've been created to be. I've got this circumstance in my life, whatever it is. But Father, I just become, want to become intimate with you so that when circumstances arise and they come, they won't hit me because I've got the full armor of God on. And I'm, I'm, I'm face to face with you. And then out of that intimacy, you get to destroy second heaven principalities and demons, and then they manifest on first, on first heaven on earth. So the way we destroy the works of the devil is not through an army. It's through sons and daughters of God who know who their papa is. That's how he does it. Because that's what he said. The mystery's been revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then he says, I want to cover the earth. With his water, as, with his glory, as the waters cover the sea. I want to cover the earth. That's, that's, my, that's God's strategy for invading darkness. Is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Why don't you stand?
if we, if we, in our pursuit of God, in our pursuit of who he is, if we make it about, hey, I'm coming to God because, you know, I need to, um, I'm, I'm going to try and wear this right. If we, if we come to God to pursue him just to get something, then we'll just create more religious activity. He's a good father and he does, I, I, get, I get that. And we, we, got to, we ask, we seek, we knock, we, we do all those things. But if it's still about us, then we've entered into a subtle form of pride. If we're us focused, does that make sense? And when we come on Sundays or in our home groups or wherever we are, we, my heart is that we would come and we, we come with expectation and faith that we're going we're gonna to encounter the throne room of heaven. That we come, we get equipped, we get sent out to invade darkness. That we come, we get, this is, this is a Holy Spirit training center. <laughs> Right where we get trained up and we get equipped so that we can, out of intimacy, destroy the works of the devil. I mean, Peter's shadow healed people. I don't think Peter was consciously thinking, oh, today's the day my shadow heals people. I think he was so consumed by God that when he walked down the street and the sun hit him at a certain angle and his shadow released the presence of God, I don't understand how that works. <laughs> right? Jesus wasn't consciously thinking about the woman with the issue of blood. He wasn't like, I'm going to heal this woman. She touched the hem of his garment and it says, and power was released from him. How consumed with God do we need to be? How possessed, as Chris Corse said, how possessed do we need to be by Jesus? that our shadow would release the presence of God or do whatever it is that he wants to do in our life, right? It, it doesn't have to be that. It just, whatever it is that he wants to do. And I just want to stir us up for that Hebrews 10, that we would stir each other up as long as it is called today. Because we have the kingdom of God is in us. And I just want to, again, in love, just say, hey, church, it's time to press on to greater the great, great high call of, of Jesus. It's time to lay to rest the things that maybe have been the past, things that maybe, oh, you know, this church does this and this church does that and, oh, I wish this would happen. And it's, 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 it's like, hey, let's come as the body and believe in faith for Jesus. to do. We're not, we're not here to play church games. We're here to, I'm not playing church politics. I'm not doing that. I'm here to worship Jesus. I, don't, I, don't, um, I love what God's doing in our city right now. I'm hearing amazing things about what's happening. And I'm not, I'm not here to criticize and critique. I'm here to, to fix my eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith and, and go after Jesus. Right? And, and I get it. Sometimes It's like sometimes there's things that you, we can do better. Sometimes there's things that can happen. Oh, they didn't pray, play my favorite worship song today. It's like, I don't, I don't know. what. It's just like, come on, we're here to worship Jesus. We're not going to get it 100% correct. Right? And, and I love what someone said. They said, if you want a perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. Right? <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm just saying we've got to get past the church thing. And we've got to move on to the kingdom. We've got to move on to the kingdom of God. I love the house of God. I love the bride. I love his church. I really do. You know, someone said to me, ah, oh, you know, I just, I, 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 I love Jesus and I love God, but I'm not sure about the church. And I'm like, oh, well, would you have dinner with Shen and me? And he said, yeah. I said, yeah. Well, if you have dinner with me, you have dinner with my bride. So I love the church. Hear my heart. I love this place. I love this house. We love what God's doing in, in and amongst the churches in our region. But we have, to, we have to move our focus from building the church to extending the kingdom of God and let Jesus build the church because that's what he said he'll do. He said, I will build my church and on the rock, I'll build my church on the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail. 
And then he said, now you go and extend the kingdom of God. And we've swapped roles with Jesus and we wonder why the kingdom of God's not being extended because we're too busy building good church services. And so, anyway, I, I, I love you. I've, I've got that out of my system, but I, lo- I love you all. All right. All right. Let's just pray. Holy, just put a hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now you would stir us up for faith and good works. You'd stir the kingdom of God that is within us, that we received, that we would grow in the wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, I pray that we would become so aware of heaven. We would become so aware of eternal life, not just eternity so that one day we'll get to heaven, but that we would become so aware of the eternal realm. We'd become so aware of your, of your heavenly voice right now in this place. And I pray our eyes wouldn't be fixed on, on, on a man, as Dean said, on the, on the man of God or a woman of God, but our eyes would be set on God. Our eyes would be fixed on you, Jesus. And I pray, I pray for a a divine move of your spirit. I pray for for a revelation of the knowledge of who you are. I pray that the sons and daughters of God would arise and shine for your light has come. I pray right now that there'd be awakening in our hearts to move our focus from being church focused to kingdom focused. I pray that we would see an increase of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I pray your kingdom would come. Just begin to pray. Come on, church. Just begin to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray right now for anyone that has been hurt by a church. I pray there'd be healing. There'd be healing in that area. And I I just pray that um, there'd be a, a, a newness, that there'd be a love for the bride again. I'd pray there'd be not just one or two that would be doing stuff in the church, but I pray that there would be an, a, 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 a family of believers on a mission to see the kingdom of God advance on planet earth. God, I pray there'd be dreams and visions awoken in people right now. Maybe things like Dean said that have been laid to, to, to rest or you've forgotten about that, that Jesus wants to resurrect again. And I pray we would move from just being a Christian to being a son. We, we really move into this, this sonship Sonship and union with the Father. Thank you, Lord, that you're the one building your house. You're the one building your, the sanctuary. You're the one that's doing it, God. And I pray for many sons and daughters of God to come into this place and churches around. I pray for many lost children to come home. I pray there are people where there's like, oh, I don't know if there's absolute truth. They would find the absolute truthful one. They would find the absolute truth of Jesus, that he's the only way to the Father. So we call them home, Jesus. We call them home. God, and right now where people are at, if you're sick in your body, I just pray healing power right now. The miraculous power of Jesus would just come. The miraculous power right now would just flow. Thank you, Lord. We rebuke sickness. You have no right here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray there'd be such intimacy with you. Such a deep intimacy with you, God. Thank you, Lord.
I thank you, Father, for a new, le- new, new depths of intimacy, new, new depths of, of, uh, of time in the bedroom with the Father. Corporately, individually, collectively. Um, some of you have come to church again and it's, I believe it's God's vision that this place is a place of recovery as we spend time with him in his presence he heals us and he reminds us identifies, reveals to us that we are his son, we are his daughter that is part of God's purpose for this group, this community, this place, which is profound and a privilege. But I believe there are some people that generally have been sitting in the outpatients lounge. (laughs) They've come, they know who they are, and they've been sitting in the outpatients lounge after being healed. I believe the Lord has a word for you which is, it's time to step outside the lounge now. I've got buses, I've got helicopters, I've got trains, I've got bikes, I've got skateboards, I've got a place for you to go, I've got stuff for you to do. And then come back in, come back home together to encourage each other with the stories for the purposes that he has for you. Yes, the lounge, this place is so important for our time, our life. But for some of you, I just want to pray over you now in Jesus' name that you would know that you are really, really, truly his son and daughter. You don't need to hear it anymore. It's now time to understand what that means in the kingdom. Remember, the battle's not against flesh and blood. It's about principalities. So when you step out, when you speak, when you do, when you come across obstructions, that's just you taking territory. That's just you impacting in the spirit what's happening out there. You are loved. You are still a son and a daughter. And you have to expect that when you bring love, when you bring joy, when you bring words of encouragement, when you bring the kingdom, there's going to be times where the enemy goes, I don't particularly like you doing that. Can you please go back to the lounge? Can you just, you know? In Jesus' name, I speak release over you in Jesus' name for those this relates to. He has plans and purposes for you. He's with you. He's in you. His spirit is before you. Yes, Lord. Amen.